Good evening, everyone. Well, good evening, everyone. I heard one person. It's been a long day for me, too. Okay. Glad to see y'all here tonight. You know, Wednesday nights are always a great time for us to uh, get a little bit more recharged. Like our batteries, you've heard me say half full or tanks are half full. And, and I hope that we can recharge one another. I hope I can be a, a help with that. Before we get started, brother, will lead us in word of prayer. Amen. So next year, Lord willing, starting in January, we will, the elders have a focus for us to <clears throat> be more in unity, uh, not just not just as a church worldwide, but more specifically right here in, in our congregation to bring us closer together. And the lessons that I'm bringing to you um, during this quarter and some other things that we will be doing throughout uh, the year um, with the other ministries is to help us do just that, come, um, become closer to one another. We've been starting with, uh, last week we started a lesson in our life together. That's what the, the title of these lessons are, or the theme of these lessons are. And it's on Christian fellowship. And we brought up last week the question as to whether congregations today are engaged in the type of fellowship practiced by the church in the New Testament. And what we helped um, define last week is that fellowship, though it does involve us eating together, it is not all that it is uh, involved in fellowship. Usually when we use that word fellowship, we say we're going to go to the fellowship hall to fellowship. You know, it truly, what that usually means is that, that we're going to share a meal with one another, and that's great. But we also talked about that fellowship truly is talking is involving that bond that we share with one another in Christ. And within that bond, there are things that we do and that we share with one another. We ask the question as to whether the congregations of the Lord's body today are communities of believers expressing a sense of concern for one another, or if they are simply groups of anonymous worshipers. And uh, Brother James brought up last week that, you know, the reason why we sometimes come to the building, maybe here or somewhere else uh, in, in the Lord's body. And maybe we sit in the pews um, as if we're going to a movie theater. He didn't say all this part, but he was alluding to this. Uh, going to a movie theater or to a basketball game or, or somewhere else where we have a, a, a interest in what's going on up here, but we don't have any interest in what's going on with one another sitting next to each other. And this is what he said, because we are no different than anyone else. We're still people. We're still flawed. We still have issues. And so we have to learn how to come together. We consider factors in our society which tempt us to be self-centered and how an attitude of self-centeredness is foreign to the very basics of Christ's teachings. He didn't want us to be further apart from one another. He wanted us to come together even more. So in this lesson, 
I wish for us to examine more carefully, and while you're writing, you can turn to Matthew chapter 12, the teachings of Christ concerning the nature of the church, he said he would build, and how his teachings ought to shape the type of fellowship he wanted the members of his church to experience. So as we begin, let's consider some contrasting views, some different views that people in the world have about the church. Different views, such as how modern man tends to view the church. Modern man views the church as a institution or just a, like a regular organization that many of us belong to. I belong to an organization called the United States Air Force, and there are it's, it's an institution that was established in 1947, and there are different rules and bylaws that we go by. Uh, many of you work for organizations that have been around for a long time or own organizations. You own organizations that or institutions that have their own rules and bylaws. Uh, we find terms frequently used in the, in, in the religious world as like superintendent of education, that's not what we're calling you, I'm sure. And director of music, that's not what we call um, um, John, or, or other other terms and titles. Now, while the church was divinely instituted, though, by God, I'm not saying it's not an institution, and does have some organization, it seems many have molded the local church in a business-like structure. We're, we're not a business. We're the Lord's body. So Jesus viewed the church differently. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, we'll start at verse 46. He viewed the church, the church as a family who would be doing the will of his Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 12. Starting at verse 46, it says, While he was uh, still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who, is my, who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. You compare that to chapter 7, verse 21, where he says there, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So just dealing with Jesus saying that the, uh, viewing the church, those that do his will as his family, tell me how do I get into your family? I'm not talking about the church family. How do I get into your family? Brother, how do I get into your family? Hmm. I could, right? Okay, I could marry in. We're just giving examples here. I'm already married. No, but you're saying I can marry into your family. What else? Anyone else? Born into, into your family. Those are two good ways. You adopt into the family, right? But how do I recognize you or how, yeah, if, if Brother James, if, if you, if I wanted to know if these people were around you, these people that are sitting around you right now, um, Everyone in the pews on your side. If I wanted to know if they were in your family, how would I know that? I'll ask you. Okay, I could ask you. What else? How would I know you all are in uh, Mr. James' family? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Claim Okay. But how would I know just, just me right here, right now? Same last name. 
Maybe we interact with one another. Maybe we look like each other. Maybe not. Some of us look like our parents. Some of us don't. Uh, some of us have our father's nose. Some of us are not blessed with that nose. Um, same, same characteristics. Right. Same thing in the, in the family of, of, of God. You know, these, these are not uh, no-brainers, but sometimes we have, to, we have to think like that and talk like that. So let's say then that everybody over here on this side acted different than everyone else over here. Will we still be family? Do you have family members that are like that? Yes, I know you do because I do. I don't even mess with some part of my family because, yeah. But in the church, we can't be that way. We're all family. I can't love you from across the room uh, or in the corner. I know I said it last week. I think I said that to Scott, that I can love you from way across the room, brother. You stay over there. I don't need to see and talk to you every day. I love you, but that's not how God is. Uh, Jesus also saw his followers as uh, family relatives. So we've already, we already saw that in uh, Matthew chapter 12, what we just read. And he taught his disciples to address God as what? As who? As father. That's right. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, as he's leading that prayer, or giving an example of prayer, he calls um, God father. The apostles in 1 Peter 2.17 referred to the church as uh, the brotherhood. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Someone please read verse 15, 1 Timothy 3.15, nice and loud. 1 Timothy 3.15. I was thinking about what he was saying there. Paul is saying that if I delay, if I don't come to you soon, I hear him writing this to you so you'll know how to do what? To do what now? To behave in the church. To behave in the household. The scripture there says household of truth. Does it say that there? Household of God. And he says so that, um, which is the church, a living God, a pillar, and a buttress. Do you know what a buttress is? I know we got some builders in here. What is a buttress? So I know y'all not used to right, talking in this class, but I'm asking you questions so that you can answer me. What is a buttress? Something that shores up. Thank you, brother. What did you say? Supportive structure. We, what are we supporting? What is the church supporting? What does it say there? A pillar and buttress of what? Truth. In order to be, to have the truth, we have to, there's some things that we have to do as a family. It's not just about reading the truth. We have to act it out in our lives. And so the church Jesus established was to be an intimate household. That's the, the title of the lesson tonight. An intimate household, allowing the closeness not usually found in organizations and institutions. Now, there is a intimacy or a closeness that I share with uh, my brothers and sisters in arms, per se, in, in the Air Force. Um, I have, uh, for those of you all that have served in, in the military or, or done something like that, or, or even, I know, I'm thinking about uh, Scott and, and, and being a, a police officer, there is a intimacy that's there that, you know, I'm there to help save your life and vice versa. I will take a bullet for 
my my brothers and sisters some of them i wonder sometimes i want them to be in front of me they i can't i can't work with them sometimes but you know if in all jokes aside i'm supposed to love them and cherish them and take care of them but it is not the same when it comes to members of the body let me tell you when i get to see um i guess i'll call him shay tonight because no one else knows you by your other name (laughs) i see shay every now and then when we get to see each other i'm happy to see my brother Uh, scott and i had lunch one day at work i was loving to, to see him uh on base or just anywhere i see some of you all out and about too and, and it's like and I'm, i mentioned that last week we shouldn't run away from one another when we see each other in walmart we should run towards one another or wherever we may be um to and because it's just different i don't do that when i see somebody else in uniform I'm like oh they're, they're in the military hopefully they're doing all right but when i see you i'm happy to see you it's because of the closeness that we share well let's turn to matthew chapter 18 there, there, the, the family intimacy that we have should permeate throughout our life, our spiritual life, our church life. We are to be like little children. Someone please read Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. We're going to be here for a little bit. Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 4, nice and loud. Thank you, brother. So, so imagine I'm not a Christian. Imagine I don't know anything about Matthew chapter 18. How would you explain to me what Jesus is talking about here? He says, come to, he's talking about children. What is he talking about? I'm not a child anymore. What is he talking about here? Sorry if you don't know, but I know somebody knows. Trust. Okay, trust. Trust in Jesus. That's, is that what you're saying? Oh, come to him as a trusting child. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be open like a child. Child, we, we often talk about children being like sponges, and they just soak up so much. What what happens to us? Hmm. We don't we think we know it all. I'm an adult. I'm I'm this many years. I've been in the church so long, you, there's nothing more I could ever learn. And we lose that openness. And Jesus wants us to come to him as little children, not striving for dominance over each other but with humility, showing submissiveness, and with dependence upon not just him, but one another. Is it hard for us to be dependent on one another? We're telling truth, not just because we're in the church building, but we're we're telling truth. Is it it hard sometimes for you to depend on me? Not not J. Lee Jackson, just imagine I'm someone else as a a Korean, because I know you can depend on me. See, court always sits right there, so I'm going to mess with him. Is it, is it hard for you sometimes to depend on someone else first, on, just on someone else, regardless of who they are? Yeah, sometimes. It's just, you know, what the issue is, the matter, uh, 
I like that last part, especially what you said. Hey, Court was saying that, you know, sometimes us guys, we're like, no, I got it. You know, throw this away, the, the manual way. I got it. I'm going to tell you, this guy right here, no, I keep every manual in the in a drawer. I stop and ask for, for help, for directions. I don't like being lost at all, especially at night, because I can hardly see sometimes. Nope. But why don't we maybe, let's use the word trust since it was said, why don't we trust one another? Christians, why don't we, why don't we trust one another? I'm going to say it if y'all won't now. Because we don't behave sometimes like Christians. Sometimes we hurt one another. Sometimes I see you do something to someone else. Uh, nope. Yeah, it could be something that happened to me in my past. Maybe because some other Christian did something, so I treat every other brother and sister the same way. Yeah, it could be something that I, I struggled with as a child. Um, maybe someone hurt me just on the, on, just does, whether they're Christian or not. Maybe somebody just hurt me and I don't know how to trust anyone else. All that aside, sometimes we don't act and behave the way we should as a family. You have family members, your own blood family members that you can't trust sometimes, right? Brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, cousins, you know, aunts, aunties, or aunts. Well, I say auntie, but from the south. But so aunties or uncles, grandmothers, grandfathers, you, you, you name it. You, you have, we all have people like, we have friends that are like that. We have to work on that. Because once trust is out, once trust is gone, it's hard to get it back, right? It is. Um, but so we need to make sure that we're submissive and that we to God and, and that we are able to depend on one another. Let's go ahead, go ahead and read verses five through seven in Matthew chapter 18. We should have concern for each other. Someone please read that. Matthew five, uh, 18, five through seven. some seriousness there. Yes, sir. Because we should have concern with protecting the members of our family from harm. We do that, say, all of us say we have children or our spouses or just someone in our family. We no matter how hard-headed that person might be, no matter how much they upset you, um, it's kind of like, um, Court, you told me about your brothers. When y'all were growing up, y'all probably picked at each other, were mad at each other, but let somebody else, right? Let somebody else mess with you, your brother your sister, right there. We need to be that way with one another. And I'm not just talking about in the physical sense, in the spiritual sense as well. Satan is always trying to pick at our brothers and our sisters. He's always trying to pull us away. We need to be there to help each other, to, to protect one another. When we see that and we know, and, 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 and this point I'm getting at about this intimacy, this, this more coming together, that we're going to work on very hard 
uh, here in the next year to come together more. I'll be able to share with you some things that have happened to me in my life or this is a, a struggle that I have. I'll tell you that for those of you um, brothers that are missing out or that are missing the Tuesday night Bible class and I promise you that we can't make it to everyone. Some of us sometimes we just can't make it either we're sick or we're still at work or but it's an opportunity for you to come and share some issues, some struggles, study God's word. One of you are missing out on a, a wonderful thing if you are not able to, to come. I'm not, I'm not picking at you. I know we have things that are going on, but I'll tell you what has happened in that class. People have shared things, some intimate things, and it stays right there in that room. And we're able to pray for those folks. And now I know a little bit more about you. And now I can ask you how are things going. You know, I want I want to help you. So now when I see you going down that road that you're not, I now know that you have a problem with, I can help stop you because I'm, I'm your brother. Um, <clears throat> any comments on that before we go on? All right. Let's look at verses 10 through 14 in the same chapter. 10 through 14. Thank you. Here recently, we have been trying our best to reach out to those that have been, excuse me, missing, those that have not been here for a while, trying to just understand why they are are not here, maybe clean up our list. There are folks that are on on the list that we've been calling or sending cards or emailing that, oh, they just don't live here anymore. You know, they they have moved away. Uh, Those addresses don't exist. But there are folks that that are still here. And, you know, I'll tell you the truth. We we may call hundreds of people. We may reach out to all those folks. We may knock on the door and maybe only one person comes back. We can't be concerned about the numbers. We're concerned about souls. We have to be concerned about one another. Not just those that have been missing either. Those of us sitting right here. Right here, we may be struggling with something and we need we need each other. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, we usually turn there and, and we read about um, not forsaking the assembling of one another as, it, as we see the day approaching. We, we, we usually talk about that for to, to watch out one, for one another when we don't see you here on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday evening. And, and, and it's great that we do do that. We want to encourage you to be here. But that is talking about your soul and the day of judgment. And the point I'm getting at is that as, as we, as we have time, have opportunity, I need to be encouraging you. You need to be encouraging me every day because you don't know if I'm struggling. I don't know if you're struggling. You might be like one, just one step away from uh, going away from God. And maybe you reaching out to someone, maybe saying a hello to them when you see them in here in the building or, or, or just going to speak to someone, sitting next to someone different. 
I know we have a hard time sometimes not sitting um, in the same pews. I'm not getting on you about that. My point is that maybe we need to talk to someone else. Maybe we, that person needed to hear the good word from you. They needed encouragement from you. Maybe they needed a card from you just to say, hey, I've missed you. You know what's the wonderful thing that we, we have here? That a lot of congregations have. We, we have a, a church directory, which is great, but I love that picture directory is out there. Because when we have someone makes an announcement that this person has been sick or has been out or something like that, and you're like, oh, I recognize the name, but I don't remember who it is. You ain't got to tell anybody you don't know who it is. You can just waltz on out there. Oh, that's who that is. Yes, I remember. I write them a card, and at the bottom of it, I put a scripture down there of encouragement. Maybe that person needed that. Just gave that to y'all for free tonight. All right. Uh, any comments before we move on? We're talking about being concerned for each other on that. All right. So, again, as we're still talking about intimacy and how it per- should permeate uh, the family intimacy, how it should permeate the, the church, our church life, we also need not only to be concerned about the relationship we have with one another and the concern for each other, but also in our discipline of one another. Let's read verses 15 through 17. Someone has that? I'll read it. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So what I have learned over the years is that we have a hard time in the church with church discipline because we don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want to get involved. That's the elder's job. They're supposed to discipline the church or, or the preacher. That, that's only their job. I don't, I don't see that here. And what I also sometimes see is just the opposite of that is that we will read, you know, um, say court, court, or I have something against one of those. One, we have something between one another, right? So I want to come to you. So I go and I read verse 25. If my brother sins against, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him and his, his fault between you and him alone. But I don't come along. I bring some other people with me. Or I do come along and then you don't hear me. And then I jump right on over to the elders. Hey, he didn't listen to me, and this is what he's doing. Have y'all seen that before? Maybe, maybe not. We use this sometimes as a checklist, okay? He didn't listen. Now I can take two or three more people with me. Nope. And now I tell it to the church. Okay, he has to be out now. That's, that is not what this is for. Jesus has given us a guide on how to deal with one another. It may eventually come to the point where, okay, this brother or sister is continuing to live in their sins and, and the elders will come before us and, or I'm not, I'm not want to say how they would do it, but eventually we will know that this person is not in fellowship with us anymore because they, of their, the sin that they're living in. But it's not like a one, two, three step. Okay, I, I came to court this way. Let me come at him at another angle. Oh, okay, let me, let me try another way. Cause, Truly, what am I, what am I truly trying to do? What should we all be trying to do for one another? What's that? 
Helping each other do what? What's, what's all our goal? Heaven. I want to be in heaven with you. So that means I'm, I'm trying to snatch you out of um, Satan's hands. And I, I, I'm going to pray for you. I'm gonna, I, like I said last week, before I come to you, brother, I probably don't pray and pray and pray, agonize over it. Because I don't want to hurt your friends. I want to come the right way. But sometimes, no matter how lovingly, loving you come to, lovingly you come to someone, they still might take it the wrong way. But our job is to try to help each other get to heaven. Any comments before we move on? Still talking about uh, <clears throat> disciplining one another. We should treat the one disciplined as a brother. Uh, Second Timothy, uh, turn to Second Thessalonians chapter three. Need verses six through fifteen read. Second Thessalonians chapter three, six through fifteen. Thank you. If the brother is in error, in error, or brother or sister in error is, is not responsive, we are to take advantage of the family relationship which we have enjoyed with one another by depriving the erring brother of it. Indeed, the failure of such discipline is due to the lack of proper fellowship to begin with. So what I'm getting at here is that, okay, someone is doing wrong or, and we go to them and the only way we know that they're doing wrong or they're, they're sinning, they have sin in their life is that we have to know them. We have to be in their lives and, and, have this closeness, but we don't always have that. But we're ready to discipline the brother or sister. Kick them out of the church. That, that, that's what they say. Oh, you kick me out of the church. Or, or we do a passive thing where, well, we know that they're sinning and they're not here. They, they, they're not coming around. They've already disfellowshiped themselves. That's what we say sometimes. And so then we expect, well, once they get their lives right, they'll come back because they know how much we love them. How? If they never feel that way before they're gone. See, sometimes love hurts. Those of y'all that have children, especially adult children, love hurts, right? Sometimes you want to, it doesn't have to be adult children, be your little kids. Sometimes it's, I'm going to just have to let them do what they're doing because they're not listening but I need them to know that I love them and that 
God loves them and God wants them to be in heaven. But they have to stop living the lives that they're living. And we need to do the same thing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But let me tell you sometimes what we also do in the church that I've seen. Maybe you've seen it as well. The brother and sister comes back. They've been living a riotous life out doing whatever and you know it. But God has allowed them time and opportunity to repent, ask him for forgiveness, and they come back and they stroll right up front and they ask us for prayers because they've asked God for forgiveness. And what do we in the church sometimes do? Maybe you haven't seen this. Maybe I'm by myself. Anyone? We don't help them. We don't forgive them. By our actions sometimes, like, well, mm, you're still dirty to me. I know God forgave you, but it's going to take some time for me. What did we say last week? We don't, none of us have a heaven or a hell to put anyone in, right? We didn't create this world. We didn't create the, the rules, per se, that are in the, in the scripture. Aren't you glad God doesn't treat us like we treat each other sometimes? I'm grateful for God's grace and mercy. Um, and so we need a little more grace and mercy with one another. All right. So God and Jesus, that is, uh, when, when he was wanting us to have family, family intimacy that permeates the church, not only wants to have our relationship great with one another or concern or discipline, but we also, as we were getting at just now, need to forgive one another. Turn back to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I'll be reading verses 21 and 22. Scripture says, and Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times, 77 times, excuse me, but 77 times. What, what version, I'm reading a different version. What does your version say there? Seventy times, and that's what I was getting ready to quote when I was reading it there. But here, here's the thing: um, Do you think Jesus is putting? And, and you're probably going to answer this question the way I think you are. Um, you think Jesus was was saying he's putting a number on how many times we forgive one another? Have you bust that number? Tell the truth, y'all. Have you bust that number that's in here? Probably like the first day you were Christian, probably 70 times 7. I'm so glad God doesn't put a limit on how he forgives us. So we got to forgive one another. But we're human. It is hard to forgive you sometimes, right? It's hard to forgive me. I've said in this class over here before in New Converse class that if I was God, I would probably have the mind of God, yes. But say Jaylee Jackson was God with the mind of Jaylee Jackson, I'll be teaching to a class of nobody because y'all all all be gone because I would get tired of you, right? You would get tired of me, wouldn't you? You would get tired of people. I'm glad God is not us, that God is merciful and and he has grace. And and as we teach the kids, is long-suffering. He just continues. You know, but there's going to come a day when God's going to say, okay, that's it. That's enough. And he's going to call us home. I hope we are in a forgiving state. 
we are not to keep a tally of our offenses for such would hinder our relationship as family i mean court i know you asked me to forgive you again but this time brother i don't know you just keep doing the same thing over and over right and you're like but please forgive me that's what we do with god don't we i'm not the only one everybody in here does that because we all sin every day i'm not proud of that i'm not saying that to be proud but why i'm thankful for is that god does forgive sin we are to keep an open us uh, keep keep in mind how fa- our father has forgiven us matthew chapter 18 23 through 35 which we're not going to read um lets us know that our forgiveness by god is contingent on our forgiveness of our brethren don't expect that god is going to forgive us if you're not going to forgive we're not going to forgive one another God also wants us to have, um, to be his service or, or to ha- be a servant to one another. We mentioned this last week. Over in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, we see Jesus as, uh, as our older brother who came to serve. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28 says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It should not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you, you, sh- you must be your, you must be your servant. Be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to, uh, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we are to serve one another as we would our physical family as saying, um, an, and I, years ago when I first read this, I didn't know what this was about. This is a song from a while ago. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Um, Romans 15, 1 and 3. That, it doesn't say that in Romans 15, 1 and 3. That it conveys that. Meaning that no matter what you have going on, what burden you have, let me help you carry it. Let me, let me serve you. Let me, let me wash your feet. Let's talk about that for a little bit. I'm not here to teach you how to wash feet tonight in the sense of getting a basin out, putting water in, towel, and washing somebody's feet. But <laughs> you said, well, you first, right? <laughs> but let me ask you, I, I have a problem with somebody else touching my feet. Maybe the ladies, maybe, and some of the men, maybe you don't because you get pedicures and stuff like that. But I have a hard time doing that. Now, let's take that, that idea. I have a hard time letting somebody serve me. Do you? Sometimes we do. And you know what we do when we we don't let somebody else serve us? We rob them of a blessing. They don't get to do as what Scripture is saying. So let not only do you need to serve, because that was the point of that Scripture, but I'm telling you, you also, I'm not adding to Scripture here when I say this, you need to be served. Let someone serve you. It's not just the elders' job to serve, and I'm not just putting it on the elders. But here's the point that I also want to bring up, is that um, in the scripture I was just reading there, I don't know if you think of the church in this way. Sometimes I do. It's like, you know, it's God. Jesus is the head of the church, as the scripture says. And in the hierarchy or, or the 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 um the way that Jesus wants his church set up is that we have elders 
who rule over us or who shepherd us. And we have um, deacons who serve in the way they do. And, and, and then, we, then we have the church. And a lot of times that's how people look at it. Boom, boom, boom. But guess what? That while the elders do have their scriptural authority, and while the preachers do what they do and the deacons do what they do and the, everyone else does what they do, we are all Christians in God's so We are all the same. We all have responsibility to uh, spread God's word, to plant, to water, to help discipline one another. Now, there are different things that some of us can and can't do. But God wants us all to serve one another. Ooh, I didn't know what that was. This is that, that fly that's been flying around the whole time. The church is our true home. The cost of discipleship can be great. Matthew 10, 34 39, lets us know that it might even mean forsaking our earthly family. Some of us sitting in this room right now, to include myself, have members of our own earthly family that because of the way they live their lives in a sinful way, you can't be around them. Once you start getting into God's word, you realize, I I can't sit at the same table with you because of what you're sitting there drinking or smoking or speaking like or the lifestyle you live. It's just not attractive to me anymore because this is more attractive. And it's hard sometimes. You might be even in your own household that you might have that. But being a disciple of Christ, it can cost you. Christ intends for his church to make up for any cost, whether it be the cost of putting, on, putting Christ before your family, um, the cost of leaving family to, to serve Christ, like maybe going to the missionary fields. We know missionaries. Matthew 10, 28 through 30 Christ has promised a hundredfold in replacement. The church can be a home or family for all, especially those that are far away from home. Many of us are far away from home. I think Alaska is as far as you can get in the United States, right? Um, Away from maybe where we, some of us grew up at. Uh, But think about, think about the college students and the military members that have left here and are gone out. You know, one of the things that we all kept telling them, make sure you find the church. Maybe let's, let me go with you so you can find a great congregation because the church is where is that? Um, the church is, is family, especially for those who've never had a family at all or had an incomplete family, such as those that were adopted or those with single parents, especially for those from a dysfunctional family. So they had an intact family, but maybe there was abuse going on. And there is love that's found in the church. We, we have to exude that. But for the church to be home for uh, Christ, the Christ, for home that Christ intended, the family members must do their part, as I've already stated. And for some, that might mean making some changes. So we may need to spend more time with one another. In a couple of weeks, we will be talking about that and how we're going to be able to do that uh, from the pulpit. We may need to become more involved in the work of the church family. And I know there are a lot of folks sitting right here in this room and outside the room that are doing things that none of us even know that they're doing. It's a wonderful thing to know that there are many that are out, you know, not only uh, helping to save souls and restoring the errand, but they're doing other things that we never see. So so we need to provide the appropriate service, which in turn uh, builds intimacy, such as preaching and teaching, 
exhorting or building one another up, restoring one another, and ministering to the needs of our family, uh, both spiritual and physical. What, what are we doing to see that the church is fulfilling the design of intimate household? What are you doing? What are you doing to become closer to one another in Christ? I know it can be hard, especially if you don't know you don't know the person, you don't know the people, or you just, you just, you're scared to do it. I will encourage you tonight, just reach out, pray about it. Let God help you with that. If we are doing nothing or if we are depriving our others from trying to become close to us, because we can do that too, by having, as I talked about, those fake open doors. You know, we don't want to have fake open doors. We need to be approachable. We are depriving ourselves of one of the greatest blessings found in Christ. John 13.35 lets us know that we are also given the impression that we may be false disciples of Christ. Scripture, Jesus said, you know, they'll know us by our what? If we're Christians, they'll know us by our what? Love. We have to love one another. Let's all work harder at being the kind of family God would have us to be. If you look at Galatians 3.26-27, you will understand that if Becoming a child of God, and if you're sitting here today, is one of those needs. Consider what Paul wrote about it and how we become sons, how we become children of God there in Galatians 3.26. I thank you for your time tonight. Before we close, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we are so grateful to you, Lord, that you allowed us to be able to be here tonight to learn more about your word and how we can become closer to one another. Help us, Lord God, help each of us in this congregation to draw closer to one another, to be open to one another, to dive into your word and see what thus says the Lord and how we're to live our Christian lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again.